0: Welcome to Football Never Sleeps, the off-season Notre Dame football YouTube show from Inside ND Sports. I've got a secret for you. It's actually going to be our in-season football show as well. We called it Monday Night Live last year. We like Football Never Sleeps better. Uh, We're still going to jump around a little bit during training camp just to bring you the freshest news, the hottest angles and so forth. once we get to the season we will go every monday night um as always we will include you in our conversation if you ask us questions and they're wonderful questions or you give us great compliments um (laughs) don't forget to ring the subscription bell i'm sorry ring the notification bell i wish you could get the subscriptions that way but uh we'd also like you to subscribe to the channel it helps us uh bring you better content you can also the subscription bell helps you know when we have new videos, not just Football Never Sleeps. We had a lot of practice footage video from today that Charleston Bowles took, and we've got lots to talk about tonight. Um, Tyler will probably do most of the talking. I'll just sit here and look pretty, <laughs> and we'll uh, move forward with our, our topics. But Tyler, do you want to let them know how to ask questions?
1: Yeah, if you are new to the YouTube world, make sure that you learn how to submit the questions. First off, if you're watching us embedded somewhere, whether it's on our message board or on our website, um, make sure that you click through to YouTube to either get onto the YouTube website or the YouTube app. um, And that will give you the option to send a comment or question to us. Um, If you are on a desktop, um, that uh, comment box should be to the right-hand side of the video in our talking heads. And if you're on a mobile device, of uh, some sort, that uh, that comment box should be below us. Um, so feel free to send in questions, say hello. Um, we like to know who's checking in on us, even if you don't have something that you necessarily want to ask, um, because we certainly have plenty of topics to discuss today, um, given that we have actual football to talk about, um, with seeing Notre Dame's first football practice of the preseason camp, and getting to talk to Marcus Freeman afterwards. Okay, we're going
0: to start with, what mattered most for Marcus Freeman's press conference. So Notre Dame had their first training camp practice. We got to watch the whole thing. Then we went and sat around for a little bit, waited for Marcus to come over. We sat in air conditioning, so it was nice. (laughs) Once practice was over, um, asked him questions. And I think what a lot of people are really, I, I believe the most important thing right now is how Notre Dame moves beyond Matt Bayless. But there were some dangling details about you know why there was such a sudden resignation right before training camp was supposed to start. So, Tyler, why don't we start there?
1: Yeah, certainly caught me by surprise as I was working yesterday <laughs> um, and preparing to get ready for what I wanted to write about heading into the camp. And well, that that gave me something to write about. Um, Matt Bayless. His resignation was not only a surprise to us um but a surprise to marcus freeman um who received the call from um bayless on was it saturday or sunday um it was sunday
0: night and then so, they had a face-to-face meeting monday where marcus tried to talk him out of it
1: <laughs> yeah as you can imagine uh, being so close to the to the season um and the good work that matt bayless has done for notre nice football program since he was hired um, after the 2016 season, a big part of the sort of revamping of the football program. Um, after that, four and eight, dreadful season by Brian Kelly, um, and um, Matt Bayless put Notre Dame in a, in a tough spot going into the season, and um, as a result, has promoted Fred Hale um, to to the interim role. Fred Hale had served as a um, strength coach at Eastern Michigan before coming to Notre Dame a couple of years ago. Um, and so it has some experience at Notre Dame, and then experience in a similar similar role as well, which which gave Marcus Freeman the confidence to put him in in the Bayless role. And certainly, you get to see him right away when we walk into practice um, and see him leading the the warm up drills and and getting the guys ready to go um, for the first practice of of the preseason. But I, I think it was interesting to hear that it was surprising to Marcus Freeman. Um, that this yeah. wasn't something that he knew about. He said I, he had no idea that this was coming. Um, and Matt Bayless sort of explained that he felt like he couldn't give everything that he needed to give to the program due to some personal matters, which he did not. It's, he didn't the way Marcus, tell Marcus. Yeah the way, yeah, the way Marcus presented it to us is that he, he, Marcus doesn't necessarily have all the details of what's going on in Matt Bayless's personal life that makes him feel like he can't give everything that he needs to to the program. Um, and I, as I was reaching out to people yesterday to try to get some explanation and insight to what was going on, and that that seemed to check out with at least the, the perspective of po- people I was talking to that Matt Bayless is the kind of guy that he, if he's going to be in on something, he's going to be all in, and if he, if he feels he can't be fully invested in the program for whatever reason, um, then he feels like someone else should be able to do the job. Obviously, he knows Fred Hale, um, probably has some confidence that he can do that job, um, in his stead. So I think that is where Notre Dame is, has ended up now. Um, and I think we'll see what sort of comes of that in the long run. Um, Marcus Freeman did say that Fred Hale would be considered um, for the permanent role, but they will, I, I imagine, consider plenty of other options as well right. um, when there's a better time to do that. But with with practice getting started, Notre Dame needs needed to have a plan in place. And this is the one that Marcus Freeman opted to go to. Matt Bayless's fingerprints and his soul were
0: all over this program. Back in the summer of 2017, I spent a day with Brian Kelly. And so that was about five or six months after Matt had been hired. And Brian Kelly was in the midst of his kind of reinvention as a coach, where he was, you know, a little bit on thin ice after the four and eight season. Um, and it was interesting because the first place we went to, to explain that reinvention was to Matt Bayless's office and we, uh, you know, Brian took me around and said, here's what we're doing differently in our weight program and in our strength program. But it wasn't just that Matt brought all these ideas about SWAT teams, their off season training teams where they teach leadership and accountability and you get points for what you do in the weight room and the classroom and everything else and it really changed the culture of Notre Dame football and it was interesting because Brian Kelly was Matt Bayless's boss but Brian was asking in front of me Matt questions can we do this this day can we you know he wanted to work around Matt Bayless's (laughs) schedule in the summer. So, uh, he was a really, really important part of it. And I do believe when I, when I asked uh, Marcus Freeman about that today, that, that the Marcus Freeman culture and the Matt Bayless culture really are one, but you still need a person that's a curator of that culture in the off season. They are, they are the contact, in the off season, they are the face of the program for these players in the off season. And that's a very important role. So I think Fred Hale certainly deserves to show whether he can handle that role at this point in his career or Notre Dame needs to open it up and get the best person that they can find. But certainly that director of football performance has been transformative in, in the way Notre Dame players act and play I would say Mike McGlinchey may be the best um, example of it. He said before Matt Bayless got there, he could do eight reps at 225 on the bench. Mike McGlinchey, a future first-round draft choice at that time. Yeah. And when he left, it was 22. Now, that's great for a guy that's 6'8 and has long arms. You know, it's, if you're short and squatty, it's, it's easier to do those benches. But... Uh, really an interesting story, an interesting storyline. And I think Marcus handled it well in his philosophy. Do do you want to talk about what he said to his team about how they move forward with this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of like dealing with adversity and and sort of using this as an opportunity to grow and figure out how to um, attack the season. I think sort of like what you said to the fact that Hey, the culture that Matt Bayless instilled is the same culture that I want in this program. So this is this is our culture. It's not necessarily Matt Bayless's culture. Um, and so he gathered the guys up before practice started today, um, and sort of hey, hey said, so "Calm down. I know everyone's fired up. Let's let's get things rolling, and um, we have jobs to do, and everything's going to be perfect. But we're going to go out there and um, give our best and, and, and learn from those opportunities." And so um, I think certainly it's it's strange timing um and if 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 guys were blindsided by this, I think you can you think about well is this some 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 kind of distraction, but I think at the end of the day the kids know what they have to do um and whether or not matt Bayless is there, is here or not, they have to go out there and prove themselves and get ready for a season that um is a month away and and something that um they've been working all off season with Matt Bayless to be prepared for so um I think that this is a um it's it's certainly a loss to the program, but I don't think it has to be a loss for Notre Dame in, in the immediate coming days and weeks and months um, because what of what everything they've done to get to this moment.
0: Right. The thing that I liked uh, best about what Marcus Freeman said to his team was change is in, inevitable, and this isn't going to be the only change, and we don't know when the next one's going to come. Right. And I think if you – prepare them that yeah this is part of our this is part of our character this is part of our culture that we're going to be able to overcome things that yeah we're going to get curveballs and we need to handle them and so let's not get thrown when we when we get one not that this is a little one but if you think about the really good teams Notre Dame has had in the in recent years 2012 2018 and 2020 they all had this kind of stuff. 2012 especially. I mean, mm. they lost a huge cornerback recruit uh, right at the 11th hour. What was that kid's name that was from the East Coast that did the interview with his helmet on? Anyways, he was a four star, high four star guy that ended up going to Florida State. It'll hit me in a minute. Oh, um, Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby, exactly.
1: And that was T- that, that was before I was full, all the way on board, so it took me a while to remember okay. that.
0: <laughs> and then T. Shepard was a really good cornerback prospect that they got early mm-hmm. enrollee. And then just before spring practice starts, the NCAA clearinghouse says, uh, we found some stuff that makes him ineligible, so he's off your team. Um, and then they had cornerbacks right and left getting injured to the point that six weeks before they started the season, Running back, Kavari Russell, who hadn't played cornerback in high school, they Mm -hmm. said, "Um, we need you to switch positions, and we need you to start for us and be good. And uh, it was that kind of season for them, but they overcame a lot. The 2018 team overcame a lot. They changed quarterbacks in midstream. The 2020 team had to deal with all the crazy COVID stuff. Game cancellations. Notre Dame, if you remember, had an outbreak where they had to move the Wake Forest game and they didn't get a chance to play against Sam Hartman. Then the Wake Forest game got canceled later. So, I mean, all those crazy things. So, I I really thought that was a good approach uh, to, to dealing with this adversity. Now, maybe one of the reasons why Marcus Freeman is confident that they can deal with adversity is if you saw at the first practice the cornerback group that they had on the field today, Hmm. I was like, okay, this is, this is potentially as good. I mean, is this Shane Walton, Vontez Duff kind of good? And if you don't know who those people are, they played 21 years ago at Notre Dame with one of them being a first team All-American and another one being a third team All-American. So Tyler, I know that they impressed you. What did you see that you liked from that group today in practice?
1: Yeah. Before I get to the cornerbacks, when you brought up the 2012 team, I thought it was kind of that's, I think it's a kind of an interesting parallel. And obviously, you're getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're saying this team is going to go to the playoff or whatever. But,
0: well, I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying the good ones. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: I'm not saying you are. But I think whenever you talk about that, you, I think you sort of put those sort of expectations on the team. But in that, that 2012 team, the leaders on that team had gone through a coaching change. And so you would think yeah the, this team as well, the leaders on this team have gone through a coaching change. They've been through plenty of turnover um, and unexpected news with Brian Kelly leaving the program, Tommy, Lease, Tommy Reese leaving the program. This, is, this isn't anything new for the guys that are at the head of this program. Now, obviously there's going to be guys that take, for instance, the freshman that came in this summer. Um, and worked with Matt Bayless all summer long. Are like okay, they really bought into him, and then all of a sudden he's gone. That can be a bit of a bit of shock. Um, but I think uh, there's there's certainly um, some leadership at the top of this program that I think they can help them sort of maneuver through this because they've 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 gone through these kinds of things before. Right.
0: And one of the one of the other things that happened in that off season was. Urban Meyer came back to Ohio state mm-hmm. and he poached a couple of Brian Kelly's assistants. I mean, just took his milk money. Yeah. And uh, one of those was Ed Warner, the offensive line coach. Well, guess who Brian Kelly hired to replace him? Harry, he stand. Yeah. So it, it turned out. Okay.
1: <laughs> so maybe Matt Bayless pre- uh, replacement will be the next Harry Heestand, but <laughs> <you go>. um <laughs> That that cornerback group that you mentioned was was something that certainly caught my eye today. Obviously, Ben Benjamin Morrison, with the expectations of coming back from being a freshman All American, um, is someone that we expected to to look good, and he he picked up right where he left off last season with some some pass breakups and an interception, um, particularly against some of Notre Dame's best wide receivers. And then, um, in addition to that, Cam Hart finally healthy after a, a long recovery from a shoulder issue that had nagged him into last season and, and, and ended his season last year. Um, can he get back to sort of that, being on the cusp of being an NFL player? I think he's certainly motivated to do that and uh, has still has that skill set and those tools that um, would lead you to believe that he could get there if he stays healthy. Um, I thought he looked good. I, there was one rep where he just sort of put Rico Flores on the ground when he jammed him at the line of scrimmage. I thought that was pretty funny um and then jaden mickey had a really great practice he had a couple of interceptions um doesn't need an excuse to talk but that only gave him more reason to talk because he likes to chirp uh during practice he did give up uh some catches as well including a a really nice touchdown catch by braylon james um in the end zone which sort of jumped over him and as the kids would say he he, braylon james sort of mossed uh jaden mickey um but uh i thought the cornerback group looked good and then when you're talking about clarence lewis um Christian Gray, Chance Tucker as your potential fourth cornerback. That that puts Notre Dame in a really good spot going into the season if everything sort of unfolds the way it looks like it's unfolding right now. Yeah, it was it was impressive to say the least. Cam Hart.
0: <laughs> so I'm at the beginning in the very first period after they stretch, they have this ball security drill where the the defensive backs are trying to knock the ball out of the wide receiver's hands and the running backs hands and stuff. And I'm looking at number five in white, white Jersey <laughs> banging it against a wide receiver. And I go, what's Tobias Merriweather doing uh, in white Jersey? That's how tall Cam Hart is. I mean, just about, I mean, he's six, three Tobias is six, four. He's got long arms. I mean, if he's healthy there's not a lot of cornerbacks in college that are that tall that long mm-hmm. and have that kind of speed so i'm really interested to see he told me in the spring that he was going to be an all-american and a first round draft pick and i at the time i kind of went okay
1: <laughs> and uh
0: but you know today i thought well maybe he has that chance i mean he certainly has the tools to be uh so we'll see but yeah that was kind of an exciting part of the first day of camp and and again keep in mind the lens we're looking through is no pads yet not full pads yet there was even a period where half the team didn't have their helmets on so we're not seeing the physicality necessarily in all the periods but we are seeing the speed and the movement which is helpful to look at so let's move on to why um I almost said Brian Kelly. Why Marcus Freeman? <laughs> but Brian Kelly would be impressed by Jeremiah Love and Micah Bell as well.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it goes back to that speed that you were talking about. The the speed that those guys showed in the summer really impressed Marcus Freeman. Um, he was very effusive talking about Jeremiah Love, saying that kid can fly. Um, he can really fly out there on the field. Um, and, and so now for him, it's about seeing those guys translate that speed to the game game field to the practice field and putting those guys in situations where they're not hesitant so that speed can come out. And so that they understand what they need to be doing, let that speed um, take over and not slow themselves down by processing something that certainly needs to be processed, but allowing them to process faster so that speed can come into play. And um, I thought Jeremiah Love looked really good. You could see some of that speed um, when they're giving him the ball on some sort of outside runs and you'd get to the hole pretty quick. Um, and Micah Bell, I, I didn't see him necessarily do a ton specifically in practice, but we certainly know that that speed exists within him, um, and he's he's sort of in that uh, deep cornerback room that we just got done talking about. What uh, what were you surprised that those were the two two guys that that uh, Marcus Freeman highlighted when you asked him about the newcomers?
0: Jeremiah Love not so much. I was curious about Micah because. You know, I knew he was a track guy, just didn't know again if he looked lost, you know, in some of the things they had done this summer, and obviously not. I thought he might add a couple of other players. I was semi, and and I think if I had more than one follow up question, I would have right. pressed him on it. But I would say, you know, Brett and Vernon looked the part out there other than the number 17, which I can't remember if it was you or Je- or it was, uh, Tim, it was, O'Malley. It was me okay that was bothered by the number 17 <laughs> and then uh, bubakar traore again some of those freshman defensive linemen traore was trimmer um leaner than i expected but i liked the way that he moved armel mukum was huge i mean he's yeah. got to be an inside guy there's no way he's playing end at 280 i no i mean we're i'm going to finish amending the depth chart after we get done with the show he's not going to be in the viper and group any longer. <laughs> no. So, uh, no. but, but yeah, I, and, and I was, I wondered if he would bring up the junior college guys, you know, there were three of them that came in June, the kicker, Spencer Schrader, Antonio Carter, two, uh, the second and, um, uh, Devin Ford. And, and again, Devin Ford, look, I mean, he looks the part. I didn't
1: watch Antonio as much. Did you? Um, Not as much. I, I was looking for him, but I didn't see him do as much. And it wasn't that he did something wrong or p- poorly, but I don't right. think he was putting a lot of, uh, I guess, high leverage situations or places, instances where you needed to make plays. Right. I mean, there there are guys that certainly, you know,
0: but I specifically asked him about the June arrivals, not people that were coming off injuries or people that improved right. a lot over the summer. And there were a bunch of those kind of players as well. So we're going through what mattered most from Marcus Freeman's press conference. The next thing that we want to hit is the plan to prepare more linebackers to make an impact. So what's that all about, Tyler?
1: Yeah, I think um, we're all curious of what, what Notre Dame's linebacker combinations will look like this season, not just who's out there, but in which which positions they're playing. Besides J.D. Bertrand, we think there's a lot of flexibility possible with those guys And, and Marcus Freeman has sort of challenged Al Golden to make sure that he gets more reps for those young guys to get them in positions that they can use them in different combinations, create roles for them. Um, but to give them a lot of reps in practice so they can find out if those guys can handle those assignments and figure out in which, which ways are the best to use them. Um, so I think that that was pretty interesting. I, I We saw a little bit of it today. I mean, it's, it's hard to track it with, I mean, there's just so many guys moving in and out, but I think that's exactly what Marcus Freeman wants to see. He wants to see all those guys getting different reps and who's lining up next to who and figure that all out later, but get those guys out there and let them get on the field and and try to make some plays and, and be in a position to make decisions and and know the different um, responsibilities that, that will be put on them within the defense. Even in the older
0: group, in the Kaiser, Leafo, J.D. Bertrand group, I like the fact that, Kaiser was playing a lot of will today. Um, and I it looks like they're going to flip-flop those roles that Mark Maris Leofau would be the rover, but I think they would use them in a lot of different ways than the traditional rover. And then Kaiser would be the inside linebacker. And I like that better because I think Kaiser's stronger with the run fits. Maybe not as good in coverage as Leofau is, but I think a better blitzer. Yep. Um, I think they'll just get more production out of that spot with Jack Kaiser there. So that was one of the things that I I liked. So the last um, part of this category is the lack of injured players.
1: So I didn't even ask about injuries. I let somebody else ask <laughs> that about That was injuries. me. Yeah. I asked about KK's. I was like, what the heck, Eric? Now I got to do this? No, I was kidding. But I, I always have it on my list, and I usually – um if i'm asking after you i usually don't have to ask about the injuries because you usually hit them but um kk smith was the only injured player sitting out today kk smith is a freshman wide receiver who you may also know as caleb smith um but to avoid confusion and i think the nickname that he went by at home uh he goes by kk smith so i think that's what he will be known as moving forward but he was out with a left shoulder injury marcus freeman said he had surgery this summer He wasn't exactly sure on the timeline of his return. He said he'd be out for a couple months. Um, Sounds like that K.K. Smith will almost certainly redshirt his freshman season, which isn't the worst thing and probably would have happened if he was healthy, um, quite frankly, with the the other guys that were here before him and those guys showing pretty well in the spring. Um, So uh, that was the only injury news we had so far now. Now that practice is getting underway, I'm sure – knock on wood for Notre Dame fans, that more will to be to come. That's just the nature of of college football, but um, a pretty healthy showing for Notre Dame coming out of the gate into into um, preseason camp and um, the one injury seemingly being at a position where they can handle it. Although we have a question here from Frank Sarah that is, a, is more concerned about it than perhaps you or I are. Well, I'll get your opinion on it in here in a second. Um, Frank Sarah asked, my concern is about wide receiver depth um, getting greater with the KK Smith injury, should Endy try to get another wide receiver?
0: Well, I, I guess technically you could get a grad transfer if they're still sitting in the portal at this point. But with you a think they're really talented to, if they're, if they're yeah. in the portal on July 26th? <laughs> yeah, if they're, in the, if they're still in the portal, they're probably cooked. Um, so. It's kind of like that last piece of pizza that got left out overnight, you know. You Feed that to Carter (laughs) Carl's. (laughs) Here's why I don't share your concern, Frank. I think it's a good question. Because there are running backs that can line up at those receiver positions. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah Love could help you at wide receiver. I think Jabron Payne, certainly Devin Ford. You could really, Jadarian Price, really any of those guys, could help you there. As long as you stay healthy at running back. And then you look at, you know, again, KK Smith was not a guy that probably would have played over the four game redshirt limit. Right. So I I think from KK standpoint, it's a downer because you know, every, all these other freshmen are flashing and they're looking great and you're from Texas and it's a long way to Notre Dame. And, you're sitting there with a sling on your left shoulder and that's no fun. But I think once he gets healthy and can get worked into things, I know they like his speed. So, um, but yeah, I I think right now I feel pretty comfortable, but yeah, it would be interesting if at some point you could do the transfer portal during the season or make trades, I guess if they classified uh, players as employees, maybe you could trade people.
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't think it's that big of a concern now. It is, I think it becomes more of a concern I'm if you kidding. have a couple more if you have a couple more injuries, um, and then Notre Dame right. gets to a spot where it it's in trouble with the wide receiver depth. But your your running back point is important. I think you, Notre Dame's going to use those guys as pass catchers to begin with, and then if you need them to line up outside every once in a while, I think that that they have some guys that are capable of that um, as well. Um, and speaking of Carter Carl's. Um, who I mentioned because of his uh, love for Colt Pizza. Um, We have a question here from our – who I'm assuming is our buddy Matt Freeman with Irish Sports Daily asking about Texas A&M, probably inspired by Carter Carls, our former co-worker at the South Bend Tribune, who covers Texas A&M for 24-7 sports and is a Texas A&M grad. Um, The question is, will Texas A&M finish with more than eight wins this season? I'm going to
0: look at their football schedule before I – automatically say no. <laughs> I was Well, you're giving a more benefit of the doubt than me. I would say no just to make Carter mad. Uh, let's see. New Mexico, <laughs> that's a win. At Miami, I'll say that's a loss. Uh, Louisiana, I think they'll handle them. Two and one. Auburn, Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I don't know who the heck ACU is. LSU. <laughs> I don't see eight wins there. I see the Papa John's pizza of football
1: teams. All right. Sorry to break the news to you, Carter, but um, you got some losses headed your way. All right. We got I mean, seriously, though, three and nine. Dyna- says, "Mad the, the, <laughs> the whole the
0: whole the whole dynamic of." The Bobby Petrino thing and and Jimbo just being so guarded with what he says about that and just the potentially explosive chemistry of those two working together. I mean, maybe it works out, but I don't know that. You know, Jimbo really wanted to give up play calling. I think this was kind of he was kind of coaxed into doing that. So I don't know.
1: I, I appreciate. I appreciate Matt sending that three and nine comment. Cause now we can screenshot it and put it out on Twitter and make people think that's their prediction for Notre Dame season. And then really good things really get people mad at Irish sports daily. Well, and I like, uh,
0: the, um, we are not Marshall here. Uh, that may be the best, uh, handle <laughs> that
1: we've had on, uh, and our show. Yeah. We are not Marshall said so the sleeper podcast that I get to watch once every six months. So thank you for making your, um, semi-annual return to the Football Never Sleeps show. We appreciate it. And uh, some well wishes from We Are Not Marshall, Eric Copal as well. Really appreciate your article, sir. Busy summer, and I am now locked and loaded for indie Football.
0: That's great. And, again, don't, don't wait six months to watch us. We'll be on weekly now through the season. We're just going to move around on days of the week. But once we get to the start of the season, it'll be Monday nights, every Monday night. Um, we'll be on before Monday Night Football, so we won't
1: intrude into that.
0: But if you watch well, The Voice, maybe then <laughs> maybe then that'll be a problem.
1: <laughs> well, uh, we already got to the friends portions of the show with Matt Freeman. Now we got to the family portion of the show with my father, too, chiming in. How did the big uglies look? Too much talk of the unimportant positions. We all know where the games are won. And for those who don't know, my dad is a longtime offensive line coach at the high school level. Um Dad, today was the first day of practice. The big uglies didn't do anything that, that that was that important. They aren't wearing pads. Who cares what linemen are doing in pads? And you know that I would be – we, Eric, was talking about line play as much as we do. Yeah. Um, but uh, there wasn't a lot to, to look at today necessarily. Although I, whenever I had to get a chance to, I looked down there, and um, I guess we could say that the all-important guard positions – which are up for grabs? Taking the number one reps today at left guard were Billy, was Billy Shrouth, Um, and at right guard was Andrew Kristofik. So too soon to say how that's going to play out, but I think those are the leading candidates to be the starters come the end of the. End I'm of putting August. I'm putting
0: Billy Shrouth in ink. I'm I'm pushing my chips in there. I think Rocco Spindler's got some fight into him, so I think that right guard position will be interesting.
1: All right, and let's go to this question from We Are Not Marshall. Biggest surprise unit at the end of the season. Okay, so that would we would be looking at
0: candidates that aren't being touted. So I would right. say we're looking at the tight ends, the wide receivers to a certain extent because of their youth, yeah, uh, and the
1: defensive line and maybe the safeties. So I'm I going think for to the Notre say- Dame fan base, you could probably say linebacker too. I don't think that they get sort of the respect that maybe. Okay. Um, so of those five who would be the biggest surprise at the end of the season
0: i would say the linebackers i think they're gonna have a really good year the way that they're okay. mixing and matching there I, I i love the potential of the wide receivers i'm not surprised by them um you know if the defensive line is elite and and i'm not rolling that out that'll be a bigger surprise but i will say given what I feel confident pushing chips in
1: on, and, and not potato chips, betting chips. I would say um, the linebackers. Well, we normally bet potato chips here, so those are all all the same. <laughs> um, I, you're, well, you're welcome for including linebackers to give you the easy answer there. But uh, I, I think I, I don't know. I, I, feel like I would go with wide receivers. I don't. That feels a little bit like a cap out because I feel like there's a lot of buzz about the wide receivers, right. but they haven't proven anything yet. Um, so I would go to wide receivers. I think Jaden Thomas is going to have a great season. Um, I think Tobias Merriweather is going to yep. make the impact that people are expecting of him. I like what Chris Tyree's is doing. Um, I think certainly Jaden Greathouse can get in the mix there. Um, Deion Colsey. Coles- yep. There's, I think there's a lot of potential there, especially with the way Sam Hartman plays. Um, that right. can really maximize that position, which – because of Sam Hartman, it seems sort of like a cop-out. It's like, well, of course, Sam Hartman's going to make the wide receivers better, but they have to go out there and still make the plays, Um, and uh, I think that they will by the end of the season, and people will be pretty impressed by the work that Chancey Stuckey's group has done. Okay, are we out of questions for a while? We are out of questions. Let's get to what mattered most from what we observed at practice today.
0: Okay, where do you want to start with that? Because some of it's... A little overlapping
1: from uh um... Yeah, yeah, we talked about cornerbacks. So let's start with running backs. I, that that's something that I wrote a bit about. Uh the running back depth. Um, I think we all know and, and expect big things from Audric Estime. But once Logan Diggs left after the spring, it sort of left a a hole there in the depth chart of okay, who's gonna step up and will Notre Dame be okay? Um, there's talent there, but will those guys either be healthy or ready to produce and experienced enough to produce i was very impressed coming out of the first practice now it's just one practice but usually the running backs don't really impress me in in practice settings like today where there's not pads on there's not a lot of stuff that they can do that's like the equivalent of what they'll be asked to do on game days um but just sort of the speed that those guys showed um the recognition to find holes i thought was a good at least first look at the at the depth there we talked we talked about jeremiah love the speed that he showed um, Devin Ford uh, made some nice cuts. I think Jabron Payne has exceeded my expectations to this point of what he can be. Had a good spring, but I think he continued to show that today. And some of it was as a pass catcher, like you mentioned, as him being a possibility to to fill in for a wide receiver. Um, so I think there's some good depth chart or depth there at the running back position. And that was something that really stood out to me today.
0: I, I agree. I, I think running back is going to be. A plus again, Logan Diggs was a really good running back, and you knew what you were going to get from him. These guys don't have the experience of proving it under the bright lights on the big stage, but uh there's a lot of potential there, there's a lot of speed there. Devin Ford looks fast. Um, and you know, that was a like a top 40 recruit come nationally coming out of high school mm-hmm. and when you got that pedigree there's always a chance that you can kind of rekindle that so we'll see if that happens now he's not going to be the starter right. but uh, he certainly can be an important piece and they were looking at him at special teams as well another thing that um you observed at practice was steve angeli getting ready for the qb2 role so what did you see from steve angeli today
1: yeah, I mean, quite frankly, I think it's the best I've seen Steve Angeli play um, since we've been able to watch him as a as an underdame football player. Um, certainly he had sort of his moment in the sun in the in the blue-gold game as an early enrolled freshman. Um, but that was against mostly walk-ons at the end of the game there. In the whereas, 2022 blue-gold game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the 2022 when he, when he was a freshman. Um, and uh, so to see him out there make some nice throws make some big time throws i thought that one particularly one too yeah he made a nice run he sort of um i hesitate to say outran because maybe jalen c didn't quite see him but he outran (laughs) jalen sneed uh on the corner and and sort of got the edge turning the corner up to the side that jalen Sneed was on um and uh got some yards there um made a nice throw into the end zone to rico flores jr with sort of like three defenders so i thought all maybe had a chance to make a play on the ball but no one was able to get to it um threw up a nice pass to, to Braylon James. I mentioned earlier, I, I believe, um, that Jaden Mickey, um, sort of, um, was on the losing end of, um, and he made some mistakes. Certainly he was, he threw a couple picks, got some balls deflected it made, made some bad decisions, but I thought there was more upside in Steve Angeli's game today than I had seen previously. I'm curious if you share the same opinion. Yeah. I, I mean, there were, you know, it's eighteen and
0: ten, and it, a couple times I thought it was Hartman, uh, and then I went, "Oh wow, that was Steve Angeli that threw that." Um, I wouldn't. I still wouldn't rule out Kenny Minchie from trying to make a move, mm-hmm. uh, but the, you know, based on today, and and Marcus Freeman talked about it in the press conference. One thing that uh, Steve Angeli has done is hang out with Sam Hartman. I know when I had a one-on-one with Sam Hartman earlier this summer, and we're going to have that story coming up in the next week, you know, he was, you know, Steve Angeli wanted to go fishing with him. So he (laughs) was going to take him fishing. And uh, I think he's learning a lot of good habits. This is one of the reasons why I thought, you know, Tyler Buckner, it wouldn't have been a bad idea for him to stick around and be around Sam Hartman for a whole year and then, have the inside track to being the starter at Notre Dame in 2024. He chose a different option, but I do think Sam Hartman is rubbing off on these younger quarterbacks and, and Marcus Freeman said as much. So also from practice today, um, Chris Ty was Tyra is a wide receiver. Now I didn't realize that was so much up for grabs in some people's minds, but um, you know, he certainly looked the part today and it seemed like Marcus Freeman was
1: touting him as well. Yeah. It wasn't so much that it was up for grabs. I think certainly when you look at the depth that we talked about at running back it me, it makes it less likely that they need him to move back to running back. But I just thought he looked his, we we've seen of him at wide receiver today. I thought he looked really natural out there. He made some nice catches um, outran Thomas Harper on a crossing route and, Sam Hartman was patient enough to find him and and make a big play out of it. So I think um, he's potentially the starting slot receiver for Notre Dame. And I think we maybe forget about that because he was a running back uh, less than a year ago. Um, but I think he's really sort of come on. At, Marcus Freeman said something about him catching like 18,000 passes over the summer. Yeah. Um, and uh i, I think i want to I think, know who
0: counted those
1: well i know they've been using this new machine and i can't think of the name of the company Matt But Freeman, it, I, <laughs> I imagine that they they they, they uh that's the num- that's that sort of tracks that and i the, the way this machine works as i understand like, you can like program it to like exactly where you want to put the ball it's very like high tech it's it's a jugs machine but with like all the new age technology you can imagine that could be put into a jugs machine, um, and so I assume that's what the, where that number came from. Um, so yeah, I mean I think it was just sort of a good reminder, like okay, this is this is what Chris Tyree is for Notre Dame right now, um, and I think he could be a problem for opposing defenses if he if he continues to expand his game and get more comfortable in that position. I've given a lot of my observations. Was there anything from practice today that really stood out to you that we haven't covered yet?
0: Um, not, not really. I mean, I was looking for surprises and I found a couple and, uh, we talked about Jeremiah Love. Not that I was expecting him not to be good. I just didn't expect him to be that much faster than everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I mean, I was trying to look all over the place. I, I also were was looking at body language just to see how the guys were when they were going through their you usually I completely ignore the stretching or 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 certainly try not to read too much into it. And I was yeah. watching it today with um with more enthusiasm and so forth. But you wanted um, the Fred
1: Hale Scouting report.
0: I wanted the Fred Hale scouting <laughs> report. I wish we could see more full practices. We're gonna get to see a lot of just the stretching and the first five periods we will get a lot of that um you don't get as much insightful things about that they're really not competitive periods no it's mostly uh,
1: like attendance yeah and, and who's so, heard?
0: so so one thing we probably didn't touch on a lot was sam hartman's play mm-hmm. um again i think as as they get into you know let's let's throw some deep bombs here then right. we're going to see the Sam Hartman that was so spectacular at Wake yeah, Forest. Yeah, and
1: I, I don't know that we mentioned. I think almost all the work that they did as an offense was red zone for 20 yards in right. and in. So they weren't really stretching the field there. So obviously that can go a long way in helping the cornerbacks have a good day. So maybe that's played a role in them looking better than maybe some of us anticipated. Um, but I do think that will translate to, to to when they do some more stuff than what they were doing today. Um, but I certainly think that opens up some opportunities for Sam Hartman and and his abilities, no doubt. Yeah, I was just trying to note who was on the depth
0: chart at the offensive line, who was on the depth chart at the defensive line at the different positions. I guess I'm expecting Javante Jean-Baptiste to eventually – Overcome the hyphenated guy in front of him, Nana Osafa Mensa, <laughs> in the battle of the hyphenated guys. But right now, it seems pretty even with Nana, maybe having a slight edge. So that'll be interesting to see how they that plays out. Um, but gosh, I wish I could watch a whole full practice tomorrow <laughs> uh, because um, you know, and it, again, they try to limit a little bit of what they're working on when we're in there. They don't want to show all their secrets.
1: Right. Yeah. That's why the first practice is good from their perspective to let us in because it's not like they're going to be going through a lot of advanced stuff. It's, it's a lot of basic stuff. Right. Marcus
0: Freeman mentioned in the press conference that, you know, last year he was so amped up like the players were that maybe they were just a little bit too amped up where they were almost injuring each other in practice. And he wanted to kind of emphasize, Hey, look, this is a long road. Let's get the practice done. Go hundred miles an hour. Don't worry about making mistakes because we're going to make some mistakes. Don't injure your teammates. Yes. And so I think he was talking to Jordan Botello specifically. <laughs> <on that. laughs> he probably Jordan, made eye contact with him. <laughs> anything easy, even a, just a, when it's supposed to be a tap out of bounds, it's never quite that ginger gingerly so. Uh, but it was, it was, I learned a lot today. I want to learn more about this team. Our next full practice that we get to see is when Notre Dame goes and holds it in the evening at a local high school. They haven't picked out the high school yet. And that'll be in what, a couple weeks, Tyler?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's like not a little less than two weeks from now. Um, So
0: we'll get to see a little bit more of the physicality. We'll get to see what the big uglies are doing for Tyler's dad (laughs) and can
1: report better on that. So, uh, but today they were kind of just pushing each other around. Since we're talking so much about practice, I thought this was a good question from We are not Marshall. Can you talk to the periods of a practice? Where does the meat of practice occur?
0: So what do they work on the most?
1: Yeah, I think you just sort of a general breakdown of how how the periods sort of okay, and and the they're practice. not they're
0: they're not identical from one practice to the next, but usually you will you always have the stretching and the skipping, and <laughs> and uh, that kind of stuff, and uh, then you do really basic drills by positions, so. Although today they started out with that ball security drill, but then, yeah, you... I think,
1: and I think that's mostly special teams based those first yeah. drills that they were doing. Cause the O line and D line usually goes their separate ways. Cause right. they're not, they're not interested in special teams.
0: Right. And, and then you kind of work through a lot of position specific or offensive specific and defensive specific things. I mean, yep. there there's all kinds of things going. It's kind of like a circus. There's all kinds of things going on all at the same time. And you're trying to take it all in and, you have to kind of make decisions what you really want to watch in general as they get deeper into fall camp they didn't get into scrimmage periods today other than that red zone work and it wasn't really 11 on 11 contact kind of stuff and so there you know some more than others you'll get that that's what's really exciting is watching the 11 on 11 contact periods right. there's some 7 on 7 periods One thing we didn't see today that we usually see, they have a one-on-one drill with a defensive back and a wide receiver or a safety or a linebacker going against a tight end. Those are fun drills because you get to kind of see the speed and agility of those positions. Uh, And
1: then they, you know, take a knee at the end and tell us to get out. (laughs) Yeah, and they usually break up like those different seven-on-seven periods with more individual work or or – defense and offense specific work. Um, And it's usually like informing like what they're going to do in that next drill. Like if they're going to work on goal line stuff, they'll spread, they'll, they'll break up and each position group will work on things specific to what they need to do in goal line drills. Um, And then they'll come back and work on that either in seven on seven or um, 11 on 11, just depending on the time of, of year, what practice we're talking about. Um, There's usually like an inside run period. We saw a little bit of that today where they just do some running, Um, with you don't usually have receivers with that group, sometimes there's 11 on 11 or seven on seven going on at the same time as an inside run period. Um, so there's lots of just different kinds of ways to try to show every aspect. We didn't mention special teams, I think they started like I mentioned, Mesh was started with special teams, it broke up and did some punt work today in the middle of practice. There's usually, um, sort of in the middle of practice, one or two special teams periods, and it's usually designed to like a specific unit. Like, so today was punt and punt, and then there was some returners back there, but then there will be another day where it's punt return specific field goal specific kickoff, et cetera. So um, that's sort of how things usually break down, at least from our experience watching Marcus Freeman's practices. And, and it's honestly not that significantly different than the practice sort of outline that, that occurred uh, under Brian Kelly either.
0: Was the, I'm trying to remember, was it late in the Kelly era or early in the Marcus era where they did the chaos periods?
1: Um do you remember those where they'd be 12 on 11 or they had a beach ball once where they I think that know? was a Kelly thing. I don't think that okay. was a Freeman. Freeman the Freemans like wrinkle was like early like competitive periods where right. they just like call out like um to a, an offensive alignment a defensive alignment to do a drill against each other and then like whoever whoever wins at the end the the their team uh gets to watch the other team uh run some extra (laughs) sprints or something like that. Okay. We're going to move on to recruiting because first of
0: all, there's all kinds of recruits that are going to be on campus this week, uh, beginning tomorrow with a big one. And then there was um, a couple of commitments over the weekend, uh, kids from California that, that committed. So let's start with the 2024 commits that
1: happened while you were on vacation that I covered. <laughs> that was a nice job by them. We we worked that out. I said, Hey, you guys take care of this while I'm gone. Make Eric do it.
0: <laughs> you know, what was really funny was uh, with the, uh, with Viliamo Asa, I, you know, had to write, I had to be ready whether he was going to pick Notre Dame or not. And at the last minute, I said, you know what? I'm, I think he's going to Notre Dame. And then I kind of, Held my breath and put the notre dame hat on so that was the, the record much...
1: kingston put the notre dame hat on not you
0: yeah that was the much better version <laughs> of the story much better written story was that he's coming to notre dame
1: story. yeah it was a nice i think a, a nice shot in the arm for notre dame fans unfortunately 48 hours later you get the matt bayless news it's like what the heck can't we have nice things around here yeah. um but yeah the kingston villiama asa edition i think was huge i think um, it was a very significant recruiting victory for Notre Dame to beat out both USC and Ohio State, USC being the hometown school, Ohio State being a school that um, had a strong pull to him with, um, in part, James Laurinaitis, who had been pulling him to Notre Dame prior to returning to his alma mater. Um, it's a top-notch linebacker, four stars, but at the high end of a four stars right now on rivals, he's like yeah. number 35 overall. The number three inside linebacker in the class, six foot three, two hundred twenty-seven pounds, a kid that can do a lot from that linebacker position, and, and is sort of the new age inside linebacker that you want to have on your team. He's dealt with a, a, a knee injury that's uh, that took out a year um, of his of his high school career at St. John Bosco, but uh, the sky is the limit, and it's ca- kind of eerie, sort of the way he described. Being pulled to Notre Dame and a little bit similar to the way Manti Teo felt like he was pulled to Notre Dame, and those um, guys talked to each other too, face base based, yeah. And Kingston, I think, talked to a lot of Notre Dame linebackers. Um, Jalen Smith was reaching out after after he announced, and uh, so yeah, I think there's a lot a lot of things that went in Notre Dame's favor to to win out that recruitment, but it was certainly not an easy recruitment to win, and one that I think. Even a couple of weeks ago, people thought that Notre Dame might lose. Um, so for Notre Dame to get that victory, which they needed to sort of push to the end, I don't think Kingston knew what he was doing. A lot of times, when kids set commitment dates, they already have a decision in mind. Yeah, he said was, the day
0: before he made up his mind. Yeah,
1: he was not he was not for certain what he was going to do. Which, from my perspective, I would advise the kids to not do that. <laughs> like, hey, like there's no, you don't have to decide now. There's no, no one's forcing you to do this. But um, it worked in Notre Dame's favor this time. Um, so that was a, a, a very significant recruiting victory for the Irish and one that I know that the Irish coaching staff is very fired up about.
0: Yeah, and it from a perception standpoint too because there was you know the disappointment over Justin Scott picking Ohio State over Notre Dame and others um, and people were like, boy, where's the recruiting momentum and and then they get you know the highest they, for the third year in a row, really they've got a top 50. Player and a linebacker. They had Drake Bowen and Jalen Snead in the classes before, so they they're on a nice run with linebackers three years in a row.
1: Yeah, and the other addition was Logan Saldate, an Oregon State commitment that sort of or a former Oregon State commitment that Notre Dame flipped. Um, he was publicly committed to Oregon State until the moment he announced his commitment to to Notre Dame. Um, was someone that was totally off my radar until we caught wind of it. Um, before he ended up announcing, but um a three-star wide receiver, five foot ten, 185 pounds out of Salinas, California, Palma High School, had 49 catches for 827 yards and 12 touchdowns. Eric, since you were the one covering him, I'm curious what you think of him and maybe what how what you think of him as being certain of Dame's answer to lose, losing Isaiah Canyon in the 2024 recruiting class.
0: Well, he's a very different receiver from Isaiah Canyon. Uh, Isaiah is 6'3", and lanky, and and, um, Sadate is, you know, a slot receiver kind of type, 5'11-ish, 175, 180 pounds. You know, there would have been cycles where I would have kind of questioned going after this guy because I think there's a little risk here, and yet I think he's perfect for this class given you've already got two big receivers in the class Mm -hmm. and Cam Williams and Micah Gilbert, you don't really have a lot of slot receiver body types. And I just like the way that this kid's background and makeup is, I mean, he plays for a a coach um, that's been around for 24 years coaching that school Um, Palma. They've had players go to the pros, you know, his brother is an all American wrestler um, he's a junior at Michigan State. Made the NCAA wrestling tournament and was in the final twelve in his weight class. And um, Logan was also a wrestler, so he's got that strong upper body, and he can, you know, they're kind of a more run-oriented offense. And he he's a good blocker, and he's got track speed. I mean, this is a yeah. guy that would have been recruited for Division One long jumping had he. Said, yeah, that's that's what I'd like to do in college. Yeah, that's just passion, right? Um, but he's got you know ten eight two speed in the hundred. He's a fast two hundred guy, and so I think, yeah, this is the kind of guy if you're going to take a flyer on somebody and develop them. This is the kind of player. So I I thought it was a good pickup. I like the pickup there.
1: So I'm not I'm not great with the track times, but I do remember like I try to make comparisons. I think I I seem to recall, if my memory is serving me, Brandon Wimbush was a 10-8 track guy. And Brandon Wimbush was fast. Not just fast for a quarterback, but fast in general. So I think that I I think it's helpful to sort of remind people, like if you're not track, if you're not of a track mind, because I don't know that a a lot of people are that what what like what does 10-8 mean? But 10-8 is good. Right.
0: Right. So Yeah, I used to cover high school tracks, so those times and distances jump out at me. I mean, Mm -hmm. a 24-foot long jump, which was his best, he was second in California in the long jump. He was under 24 in the state finals. But a 24-foot long jump is pretty impressive for a high school kid, especially a junior. His times and his distances will be better next year when he's a senior. He is not going to be an early enrollee his high school is not into letting them do that. <laughs> and so he will be running track, I'm sure for his uh, track team uh, next spring.
1: And there's certainly value in that as it help as it relates to when he gets to Notre Dame's campus. Right. So um, we,
0: we have a question, Tyler, it looks like on recruiting.
1: Yeah. Uh, we are not Marshall who is getting the MVP award for questions. Um, asking how do you both feel on the chances of flipping Justin Scott? We have
0: somebody on our message board that has set the odds at 99 to one. It was a hundred to (laughs) one. And then I showed him a screenshot of, um, Justin Scott liking and retweeting a story about Eric Hansen weighs in on Notre Dame, trying to flip Justin Scott. He liked the story and he retweeted it. So, um, So then he lowered it from 199 to 1. But (laughs) I would say I would not count on it. I think the odds are certainly stacked against Notre Dame. I don't know that they're 99 to 1. But I think he's open-minded. This was a kid that basically either silently committed or came close to silently committing to every school that he visited. So he, (laughs) he went to Notre Dame. Okay, I'm you know hinted to the coaches. I'm coming to Notre Dame, Miami, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and really going into those summer visits, you know the the vibe we got from people close to him was that Ohio State and Michigan really weren't in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, really weren't serious players, and really if you rank them, those are one and two on decision day. Notre Dame was three, but I think that there are a lot of people that will talk to. I think it's going to be hard for Georgia and Miami to get back into it because I think distance is a real factor. Yeah. Um, You know, what Justin said publicly was that Larry Johnson, as Ohio State's defensive line coach, has put a ton of people in the NFL and that impresses him. Al Washington, not so many guys. But if Notre Dame's defensive line becomes a surprise position, if Notre Dame's defense is impressive, This is the kind of recruitment that splitting hairs could open the door. And again, I'm not predicting a flip, but I'm saying, I think if Notre Dame plays well early in the season, it could make him at least ponder that.
1: Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember when I discussed it. I think it was with Charleston or it was on the message board. It was someone asked, it's like, would, should Notre Dame host Justin Scott for a visit, given that he's recruited or committed to Ohio State? If he wants to come to the Ohio State Notre Dame game, do you let him come? Given that you could be worried that he may be maybe recruiting for Ohio State or just wants a, a free ticket to go see his future team play at Ohio in Ohio State. But I'm of the opinion that you'd get him to come here because then what if you what if you beat Ohio State and he he sees what you could, what Notre Dame can do against the Buckeyes? What what do you think about that?
0: I agree. I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think he's gonna be going up to uh uh Kingston and saying, Hey, you know, <laughs> come join us in Columbus. Right. Um, I, I think uh he would just be respectful and you know, he's still from what I understand, he's still talking to the recruits in the Notre Dame class. Um, the other thing that's ticklish about that is Notre Dame has a policy that they will not let somebody that's verbally committed somewhere else come on an official visit. Well, with Justin, they really don't have to. They can have him on an unofficial visit right? since he can just make the 90-mile drive from Chicago. Um, and we should point out that Logan Soldate never visited Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. You know, they His family was good with, we know what Notre Dame's about. We're okay with committing with not having been there. He is going to visit in September, take an official visit as a committed recruit.
1: Yeah, and it's not it's not as if Justin Scott is unfamiliar with Notre Dame's campus. So even if he didn't come for another visit, it wouldn't mean it would be impossible for Notre Dame to flip him. Although I think I would like Notre Dame's chances a whole lot better if they do get him on campus again. Absolutely. Um, to remind him of what what they have to offer for him um the last thing recruiting wise that we hinted at but haven't gotten into specifically is the 2025 recruits um that notre dame is planning to host this week um tomorrow as you had mentioned on on thursday deuce Knight, the top dual threat quarterback in the 2025 class according to rivals is, is planning to visit notre dame uh charleston Bowles and i interviewed him on the inside indie sports podcast earlier this month if you missed that um i i would encourage you to listen to that we talked a lot about notre dame a little bit about Tennessee. Those um, are his top two schools at the moment. Um, he's not in a hurry to to commit, according to him. But um, I think if he if he felt comfortable with Notre Dame or or Tennessee, I think he would be ready to commit. Um, I think he's he's just sort of looking for the right moment and the right feel um, for what he wants to do. Um, so that's a big visit for Notre Dame. Um, he's he's sort of the number one priority at the position um, for for the Irish, and we'll see how they feel about him coming out of that visit. I think that'll go a long way in dictating sort of what they do next. So they're they're not sitting on their hands. They, uh, they recently offered Bear um, uh to give them another option at the quarterback position, and he wants to get to campus as well. And then uh, this weekend on Sunday, Notre Dame is planning to have – I think they're calling it a grill and chill event, um, sort of a barbecue outing unofficial visits for guys. In the 2025 class, I think there's – I don't know more than 15 guys i'm counting with my eyes here um, without actually counting that we keep confirming with names on the insider lounge um some of the more important ones in my opinion are daniel anderson um owen strebig justin thurman thurman and strebig are guys that i have put in rivals future cast for notre dame so maybe they get to campus um and they like what they see again and and maybe they want to make a, an early decision i'm not i'm not necessarily predicting that's what happens i think streep is maybe closer to a commitment decision than the justin thurman is um but those guys will be on campus davion dixon um a 2025 commit is planning to get on campus and he just recently got a miami offer and he's from the miami area so that uh, is worth noting rowan Byrne is someone on the offensive line that's very interested in the hours he plans to get back on campus so a lot of notable names that we are continuing to to report on on the insider lounge so if you are not a subscriber we would encourage you to do so keep keep you up to date on the latest information um go to insideindiesports.com and check out the subscription options we'll also be running some specials later into august um to try to convince you to get sign up for a subscription if we haven't done so yet we've put a lot of different deals out there in the off season um and some of you may still be on a, a free trial basis with us currently but um, I think uh, we're going to have a lot of coverage that you're going to like um, leading up to the season and, and, and throughout the season as well.
0: Right. Uh, I'll also note in the grill and chill, some of the 2024 recruits are going to come to help recruit the
1: 2025s, including quarterback CJ Carr. Yeah. N- Notre Dame's Midwestern commits have done a really good job of getting back on campus to help um, recruit guys, whether it's Cam Williams and Eas Williams. Those guys are are regular visitors if you go to their rivals profiles and you look at the visit dates that are collected on they're 10 deep at least with some of those guys so they're 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 regulars here and I imagine they'll be at most if not all the the home games for the Irish um, this upcoming season as long as their high school football schedule allows them to do so
0: well that's gonna wrap it up for tonight unless you have some final thoughts there Tyler
1: I don't think so I appreciate everyone for tuning in we are back to we will be weekly. Uh, Football Never Sleeps, at least during the preseason camp portion of the schedule. We'll not necessarily be on a set date. We'll probably ad- adjust that around Notre Dame's schedule. Um, but like Eric mentioned at the top of the show, when we get into the season following games, we plan to be on Monday nights to offer a recap from the of the previous game and then looking a little bit ahead to the upcoming opponent. Um, so we hope you stick with us for all that. We got plenty of um, st- stuff to talk about insideindysports.com for all our print coverage, the inside Indy sports podcast. Um, We plan to record a podcast later this week. We'll plan to be having a podcast and a football never sleeps. Each one of those every week moving forward through pretty much the end of the year. Um, So it is time to get busy and we appreciate all the support like uh, like the video, comment, subscribe, all those things help us get in front of more eyeballs um, and let, let you help us share our beautiful voices with everyone who needs to hear it. So we thank you guys once again, and my
0: rivals five-star golden ball back in the, background. I have mine
1: uh, over here, but my shoulder's too big for it to, for you to see it. <laughs> so uh, I need to figure out a better way to, to, to display it. But uh, we, appre- I appreciate Josh Helmall for, for sending that to us. Um, and uh, mine'll be there until one of my grandson sees it. Then it'll be gone. He'll <laughs> yeah, have grass stains on it sooner rather than later. All right, well, we appreciate you tuning in, and we will be up bright and early the rest of the week uh, checking out some more practices. So make sure you're uh, at com for more coverage of practices and interviews with players and coaches. Good night. Good night.